It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for part seven of the Sam Darnold Project. And of course, for this, we welcome in the one and only Michael Nania. Michael, what's going on, sir? Uh, Not too much. I'm just excited. We only got a couple of weeks now, less than two weeks, actually, as we record this um, until legal tampering starts. Obviously, the rumors are already flying around, nonsense in every single direction. So uh, it's that time of year again, and I'm ready. Uh, as Michael Scott said in the office at one point, I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs> that could be a slogan for Jets fans, seriously. <laughs> what could also be um, a slogan for Jets fans, curb your enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. That was a knockout episode. I will not spoil it for you, but uh, for anyone who's watched that, it was obviously pretty amazing and if you haven't you should if you're a Jets fan (laughs) it's very rare that a hit show like that not only has a reference to the Jets but like an entire show filled with references (laughs) to the Jets so if you haven't seen it yet go ahead and watch it if you can watch it on HBO on demand or if you can as Steve Kim likes to say listen to it on the radio wink wink nudge nudge Go ahead and check out Larry David in all his hilarity with all the Jets references packed into a 30-minute episode. But, Michael, we'll talk about Curb Your Enthusiasm another time. Right now, let's talk about the enthusiasm that was around Sam Darnold following his strong performance against the Giants. That was the game that we left off at. So let's talk about what happened after that. Firstly, with the Washington Redskins in D.C., this was one of Sam Darnold's best games, not only of the season, but one of the better games of his career. You gave him a 70.4, which is one of his strongest grades of the season. In fact, not only was it one of his strongest games of the season, but it was a top four graded game on your chart for his entire career so far. So let's talk about this, Michael. Way more good than bad here, and after the Giants game, We've got two good games in a row. Before that, it was two bad games in a row. The roller coaster ride continues, but now we're on the high part of the roller coaster. Yeah, this Redskins game was a really interesting kind of good performance because, uh, you know, the most memorable play from this game was arguably a negative one, the interception he threw. Uh, in the first half, it was a busted screenplay, and he tried to get it uh, to Ty Montgomery. Uh, turned out to be an ugly interception. So he made that bad mistake. But other than that, this was, uh, and as evidenced by my tracking, was easily his most consistent performance of this season and one of the most consistent of his career. The only game I have in his career with a better ratio of positive to negative plays was the Colts game uh, in his rookie season. But he is really consistent in this one. And uh, the Redskins defense threw two very different 
challenges at him up front. The Redskins were dominating the Jets offensive line. They created a lot of pressure on him in this game. He took a pressure rate of 50%, which was tied for the worst of the season, which is absolutely horrible. And so he was taking a lot of pressure in this game, but in the back end, it was a completely different story. The Redskins had no idea what they were doing. They blew many coverages. Josh Norman was absolutely horrible. Uh, so he was taking a lot of pressure, but there were a lot of open windows downfield. And what he did a good job of was mitigating that pressure, getting outside the pocket, and just consistently delivering on uh, those open throws, capitalizing on the mistakes that the Redskins were making. And, and you know, even though they were messing up all these all these coverages defensively, leaving people wide open, they were still tough throws because of that pressure. He had to scramble, get outside the pocket, and deliver on some tough angles like uh, the wheel route touchdown to Jameson Crowder. He was open, but that was a really tough throw, and Darnold uh, delivered it in stride. The one he threw to Daniel Brown, uh, the first his first of the game, he scrambled left, lofted, lofted it over the defense. And again, he was open, but it's still a really tough throw, scrambling uh, to his opposite hand and having to get it over the defense. Um, and he put that one in the perfect spot to Brown. And also there was one to Ryan Griffin. I think it was 45 yards, something around that. But it looks like a wide open throw when you're watching it live. But when you look at look back at it on the all 22, you can see that Darnold actually scrambled away from the pressure pump fake to get the defender to bite uh, and leave Griffin open. And that's how he was able uh, to get all that room for that play. So that's really uh, kind of the story of this game. He dealt Darnold did deal with a lot of pressure, but in the back end, there were a lot of open windows, so he did a good job escaping the pressure, throwing under pressure, and uh, hitting some tough windows that, you know, even though these receivers were open, there were still some tough angles uh, and some tough uh, platforms to throw off of because of the pressure. But he was really consistent, made some great throws down the field, capitalizing on the mistakes that the Redskins were making in the secondary. There was a lot of pressure. A good deal of it was coming from Ryan Kerrigan, who hadn't had a big year up to that point. But in this game, he was a real presence. Two sacks, two tackles for a loss, two quarterback hits. When you compare the two quarterbacks in this game, it's interesting. Dwayne Haskins, the rookie out of Ohio State, 19 of 35, 214 yards, 6.1 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, and an interception. QBR of 10.5 and a quarterback rating of 79.9. I actually think he played worse than the box score indicates because there were a couple of times, if I remember correctly, Michael, that Terry McLaren was open and Dwayne Haskins just didn't see him. By contrast, Sam Darnold, his box score numbers really lived up to what your grade was here. 19 of 30, 293 yards, 9.8 yards per attempt. That's elite right there. Four touchdowns, one interception, 66.8 QBR, and a 121.3 quarterback rating. And as you mentioned, the two guys that really stepped up here as weapons for the offense were Ryan Griffin, who had that 45-yard catch, 5 for 109 and a touchdown overall, and Jamison Crowder, who had that big catch on the wheel route, had a touchdown, five catches, 76 yards against his old team in Washington. So it was a tale of two quarterbacks, and on this day, one young quarterback didn't look so good. The other one looked absolutely outstanding. Yeah, and this was a case where the box score came through and, and told the right story because Sam Darnold did play really good in this game. He deserved those numbers. The interception was bad. That's something uh, in, a, in a perfect example of the type of turnover he uh, at that point, the season had struggled with a lot, needs to clean up going forward. And, you know, for the most part, he did uh, kind of get rid of that type of turnover uh, over those final six games. I believe after this Redskins game, he only threw um, two interceptions over the rest of two or three interceptions from I think it was only two interceptions after this game, one against 
uh, the Ravens and one against the uh, Dolphins. I think he only had two, but uh, he did have that one uh, interception, which was really bad. But other than that, he was very consistent and uh, did a great job capitalizing on you know his receivers getting open, credit to them, and uh, the mistakes the Redskins were making. And that's what you want to see. And this is an example of what he's done so well in the situation is good and the situation really wasn't all that good in this game because the offensive line uh, was frankly pretty bad in this game but he masked it uh, masked it so well um, but this is an example of what he has done really well throughout his first two seasons take advantage of favorable circumstances capitalize on mistakes uh, at a really good consistency and this is a great example of that and as you said with the offensive line Michael I think what this shows is he had to mask the offensive line's deficiencies and found a way to do it. It's not always easy to do that, especially once you're up against teams that have a consistent pass rush and can really get to the quarterback. So if the Jets can fix the offensive line and put him into position where he doesn't have to circumvent them, where he has the opportunity to make plays this way on a regular basis, then it's going to be to the benefit of the team and to the benefit of Sam Darnold's growth because I've said that as much as the Jets could use some help at wide receiver, you look at this game where he made really good use of Ryan Griffin and Jamison Crowder, and if he had an offensive line that's blocking for him and giving him this time and not making him work so hard to get it, if you have Crowder, if you have Griffin, if you then bring back Christopher Herndon, maybe you add a wide receiver in the draft, we've seen that Darnold can produce with this kind of scenario, without an offensive line that's able to do much for him, that's where he really struggles. So I think this game, once again, highlights how much more important it is for the Jets to shore up the offensive line than it is for them to go out and get, quote-unquote, stud receivers. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, of course, the Jets can get a lot better at wide receiver, even if you bring back Robbie Anderson. Uh, you know, he's a am a huge believer in him. I think he's a massively underrated player, but you can still... Uh, improve quite a bit on the outside and they don't have a second even decent outside weapon so you can get a lot better there but for Darnold in particular I think it's the offensive line has been a much bigger x factor for him you look at the difference in what he's been able to do what the offense has been able to do under him in games where the pressure has been heavy the pressure has been light the difference is extremely stark and uh, more so than most other quarterbacks the difference that most other quarterbacks have uh, in bad circumstances versus good. And this Redskins game is an example of, you know, if he's able to, uh, and even though the offensive line didn't play in this game, it's like if they did play good in this game, the Jets could have done even more because uh, the pressure he had to deal with still was, uh, you know, destroying a few plays. So I think with Sam Darnold, because I think a quarterback like Josh Allen, like for him, I think receiver is more important because, you know, he struggles with accuracy. And if you could give him some bigger targets to throw to, then that could bail him out quite a bit when he's struggling with his accuracy downfield. Darnold doesn't really, not that his completion percentage uh, completion rate is good or even his adjusted completion rate. Accuracy isn't really a struggle for him because his adjusted completion percentage, that's really good. Uh, he was in the top half this season, especially when he was kept clean. He had the seventh best adjusted completion percentage in the league uh, from a clean pocket this season. So accuracy is not really a struggle for him, especially in the underneath and intermediate game. He's got really good touch and uh, ball placement there. So um, he's shown time and time again, even last season when he's throwing to Jermaine Curse and Deontay Burnett late in the season, um, he showed you that he can have these elite performances uh, without ridiculous receiving weapons. It's the offensive line that's really been the big X, uh, the big X factor for him determining 
uh, whether he plays well or whether he doesn't. So that's what's really going to make Darnold uh, consistently good. It's not a lack of receiving that's really hurt him. And there have been times where that has hurt him and the Jets offense, and you can get better there. But it's much more so the offensive line uh, that has hurt him at times. And that's what getting more consistent offensive line play is what's going to maximize uh, what Sam Darnold does well, less, uh, much more so than receiving talent. Michael, we know that your grading system had Sam Darnold graded very high for this game. We know that the box score looked very good. What about PFF? Yeah, PFF actually did give him a good grade uh, for this game, 75.6, which is uh, his third best of the season, which is actually the same ranking as I had for him. The two games ahead of this game are different. We didn't get to those two yet, but uh, they did agree that this was his third best game of the season. Uh, and a very good performance. But the weird thing about this game, and you brought him up earlier, Dwayne Haskins, he really did not play all that well in this game. Yeah, his numbers weren't, his regular stats weren't even that good. Uh, even with his two touchdown passes in garbage time, one of them was a screen pass. The other one was a blown coverage by James Burgess. Uh, he did not play well, but PFF gave him a good grade in this game, almost as good uh, as they gave Sam Darnold. So Haskins in this game, PFF gave him a grade of 71.5, almost as good as Darnold. So I have no idea where they pulled that out from because he really struggled. And I like Haskins. He finished his season pretty good. But uh, in this game, he really struggled. But for some reason, PFF thought he played well. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. 
We move ahead to the following week against the Oakland Raiders. And this was, I would say, the most complete performance the Jets put on all year. And we'll get to the rest of the overall performance by the Jets in a bit. But let's talk about Darnold first. As we dissect his performance, the first thing that sticks out to me is he had 22 good plays to 7 bad plays. That's a very impressive ratio. You gave him a slightly lower grade here than you did against the Giants and the Redskins, a 62.3 as opposed to a 63.8 against the Giants and a 70.4 against the Redskins. And as far as the wow plays, this was one of his better performances too. He got close to the 10 mark, which is among the best that he scored. So talk to me a little bit about this one. I thought overall, like I said, the Jets did really well and Darnold had a very solid performance in this game. Yeah, this was a really solid game from him. And this is an example of, and we were just talking about Washington and uh, the offensive line, the receivers, but this is an example of uh, you protect him well, the receivers play well, uh, the coaching was great in this game, the play calling from Gase, they had a lot of creative plays that worked. This is an example of what can happen if everything is going, uh, going right around Sam Darnold. 34 points they scored in this game, and they were all offensive points in this game. So back-to-back 34-point games. For them, and the protection in this game was good. He only took a pressure rate of 28.1%, which is his lowest of the season, a very good mark. Uh, so, in this game, I feel like the story with Darnold is that he played well. He did play, and I gave him a good grade, uh, 62.3, which is very good. But I think uh, his box score stats suggest this as his best performance of the season. And I don't think it was quite that because his teammates played so well. He didn't have to do too much. There were trick plays that worked, there were a lot of yards after the catch. Robbie Anderson helped him out with a few really good contested catches down the field. Uh, especially there was one flea flicker where uh, Sam Darnold kind of underthrew it a little bit. He got it to, to Robbie Anderson. It was a tough throw, but uh, Anderson made a really good contested catch on that one. And then the, the biggest play from this game, the most memorable one, is uh, the one where Sam Darnold was scrambling to his left. He had all the room in the world to mm-hmm. pick up. Uh, it was third and two. I think he could have picked up at least 15 yards if he just scrambled completely uncontested, uh, but he took a shot to Robbie Anderson in typical Sam Darnold fashion. We know that's his mentality and it worked out the throw itself. He made on that play. It was sidearm uh, moving to his left, no pressure, but still on the move sidearm and Anderson's tightly covered between two, fe- uh, two defenders and Darnold put it up at this perfect spot where Robbie was able to go up and get it, but the- it was just out of the defender's reach. Uh, so it was an amazing throw, but at the same time, not quite a great decision because I think, uh, especially on third down, a uh, 100% shot at getting you know 10 to 15 yards on the other side of the field is definitely uh, a better gamble than whatever the rate of completing that throw was. Because even though he completed that one, you know, if he tries that throw, you know, 10 more times, that's probably a 20 to 30% kind of throw. It was a really difficult uh, throw to try. So I think that was. Uh, an example of him not making the best decision, but his talent shining through uh, and making up for that. So that was a great play. Uh, but overall in this game, the story is that he's really consistent. I gave him his second best ratio of the season after the Redskins game. So back-to-back really consistent performances. Uh, I only gave him one big mistake in this game. So that's a really extremely low number, for, uh, especially for him uh, with uh, his struggles sometimes those big mistakes so he's consistent avoided big mistakes took full advantage uh, of his teammates playing well so a great performance by all means but I don't think quite as great as his box score stats out this was the best yards per attempt average that he posted this season I believe 10.9 so 
Uh, I don't think it was quite as great as that just because the rest of the team played so well for once, but he still did a great job and he showed you uh, his best, uh, arguably his best ability, which is taking advantage of how well his teammates are playing just with great ball placement, uh, yak maximization, just putting the ball in the perfect spot for yards after the catch on that Braxton Barrios 69 yard throw. That is a great example. Darnold uh, faked the screen kind of readjusted in the pocket hit Braxton Berrios in perfect stride uh, for him to go all the way down the field for 69 yards to set up a touchdown. So this was Darnold showing you how well he can take advantage of things going right. That play you talked about where he had the wide open field in front of him and threw in between two defenders to Robbie Anderson. That's the good and the bad of Sam Darnold in a nutshell because that was the wrong decision that worked out well. The right decision obviously would have been to just get that easy first down. It kind of reminds me of the movie Major League when Willie Mays Hayes makes the basket catch and he comes back to the dugout and the manager Lou Brown says to him, nice catch Hayes, don't ever do it again, (laughs) which is kind of what I would have said to Sam Darnold. Hell of a throw, kid. Next time run for the first down. So that's one of those things that you'd like to see him fix a little bit. You don't want him to be afraid of taking shots, but when there's something so obviously easy in front of him, he's got to learn to take it. Like you said, the box score stats, outstanding for Sam Darnold in this game. 20 of 29, 315 yards, 10.9 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, 83.2 QBR, and a 127.8 quarterback rating. The two big plays in this game were the one that we just talked about with Robbie Anderson, which made up a good portion of the... 86 yards that he had on four catches this is a big bounce back from the week before where he had one catch for six yards against the Redskins and then the play to Brexton Berrios one catch for 69 yards and on the other side this kind of shows how the box scores can be deceiving on both ends because as you said I don't know that Sam Darnold was quite as good as his box score showed in this particular game what I can also tell you is there's no way that Derek Carr was as bad as the box score showed because he was 15 of 27 127 yards 4.7 yards per attempt one interception no touchdowns 44.0 QBR and a 52.5 quarterback rating but if you watch the game you saw that his receivers were dropping passes left and right easy plays to be made that they couldn't come up with so that's why the box score can be very deceiving Michael even though Sam Darnold played well I don't know that you could say that he played as well as the box score indicates and I definitely don't think that Derek Carr played anywhere near as bad as the box score indicated with him Yeah, the Raiders were dropping a ton of passes early on, and as well as the Jets played in this game, things could have went a lot differently if, uh, and there were a few breaks actually that went the Jets' way. There was that uh, roughing the passer call on Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. uh, It was a third down play. I think they were going to kick a field goal after that, but uh, there was a roughing the passer call that went their way that was really questionable. The Raiders dropped a bunch of easy passes in this one. Uh, And, you know, then from that point, your team goes down big. You got to pass time after time. And that kind of made Carr's stats look worse. Not that Derek Carr played well or even close to as well, Sam Darnold, but he definitely took a hit from the drops uh, from a stats perspective in this game. And then Darnold, uh, his stats, he put up ridiculous stats, but I think him putting up those numbers in this game were more of a credit to just uh, how good this team can be. And, you know, the Gase and Darnold combo, you know, potentially can be if they can get things clicking on a consistent basis, especially here, they're playing at home against a team coming from the West coast that has uh, a bad pass defense. That's the kind of team. This is the performance you want to have against a team like that. Those are very favorable circumstances and also a bad pass rush. The Raiders did not create much pressure this year either. So favorable circumstances and the jets knocked them out of the park. And 
to be a great team, to be a division winner, to make the playoffs consistently, you have to be able to dominate matchups like this. And, you know, over this second half of the season, the Jets start to do that a little bit. And Sam Darnold has shown you that he can do that when you do uh, help him out. And, you know, ideally he'll get to the point where he's great enough to overcome any circumstance and make them competitive any week, no matter who the opponent is or where they're playing. But uh, it all starts right here, taking advantage of these easy matchups and just take a, blowing all those out of the water. That's what the Bills did this season. Not necessarily Josh Allen, because he has a lot of work to do uh, in his own right, but the Bills as a team just went out and they won their home games against easy teams and they get 10 wins and go to the playoffs. And, you know, for the Jets to do that, they have to start winning games uh, like this Raiders game. And the week after this, they do not do that, which we'll talk about. But um, in this Raiders game, Jets play really well offensively. Everyone does their part. Sam Darnold takes full advantage and uh, he puts up great stats that are a, uh, a very good sign of how well the team played uh, together in that game. Le'Veon Bell had one of his more efficient games of the season, too. 12 carries, 49 yards, so he had a 4.1 yards per carry average. Darnold himself ran for four yards per carry, four carries for 16 yards. So a really good overall performance here. And before we head into the next game that you just alluded to, Michael, let's talk about PFF. Did they see it your way that Darnold didn't play as well as the box score indicated? So PFF actually did agree the box score here. They gave him uh, an 83.3 game, which is by far his best of the season. So they didn't quite adjust uh, for that as much as I did. But, you know, they did give him a good grade, so credit to that. But I do think that um, it was not quite as dominant as those stats because, like I said, just the Jets helped him out so much, made his life easier for once, which is, you know, ideally this can happen every week. If Sam Darnold every week can put up, 11 yards per attempt and throw for a 125 passer rating uh, because everything is so easy, then, you know, that's perfectly fine. I think the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo are perfectly happy with that. But uh, in this game, I, I just think he's had better performances in the season, like the one uh, that we just talked about, the Redskins, uh, and in his career where he's been able to put up similar production and just play similarly well under much more difficult circumstances. So, Great performance, but I think not quite as good as the box score stats. And we're going to flip that because the following week, I think it was the reverse, where he played better than the box score seemed to indicate. Although I still don't think he was really all that good against the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that was winless at the time. And the Jets made history here because this was the second team that was 0-7 or worse that the Jets lost to within the course of one season. They got beat pretty badly, actually, by Cincinnati here. And Sam Darnold was okay. His good-to-bad play ratio would make you think that it was one of his better games, 28 good plays to 15 bad plays. But overall, it was kind of a ho-hum, nothing-doing effort. And the Jets really just couldn't do anything on offense. They ended up with six points overall. And ultimately, what this game showed me, Michael, is that as we've talked about with Darnold, when everything's clicking, Darnold is going to go with the flow. When everything is bad, Darnold is going to not be enough to elevate the team. We know that he's got talent and we know that he can make big plays, but when the other aspects aren't firing, Sam Darnold isn't going to be the guy that's going to put everything on his shoulders along the lines of some of the elite quarterbacks in the league. And that's okay for now because it's year two, but as we head into year three and then year four, you want to believe that he's going to eventually become that guy. So talk to me a little bit about this. You gave him a 56 grade. I think you graded him better than the box score would indicate, and I'm 
I'm curious to hear what PFF had to say a little bit later on as well. But what do you think overall of his performance here against the Bengals? I thought basically it was an eh performance. Yeah, this game is one of the most interesting to evaluate uh, of his career because obviously, like you said, this was an embarrassing night or afternoon for the Jets franchise. Uh, just won three games in a row, got your season back on track, and you get the winless Bengals on the road, a chance to you know win a fourth game in a row. Then you could go home, play Miami, win that game, then maybe go to Baltimore and go back to 500. But then, no, none of that happens. You go to Cincinnati, and you don't even find the end zone against a team that has yet to win a game. And not only that, it's your second loss to a winless team in a five-week span. So it was an embarrassing night. Or again, how come I said night twice in a row? It's an embarrassing <laughs> afternoon for the Jets uh, against the Bengals. But I think Sam Darnold really doesn't deserve to be lumped in with all that. I'm a huge defender of the way he played in this game. Now, he wasn't great. He wasn't spectacular. Uh, and a lot of his better throws were later in the game. Uh, but I think that he made a lot of really good throws in this game, especially in the intermediate range and the Jets scoring only six points had a lot more to do with everyone else on offense besides him. Drops were an issue. There were five drops in this game. Uh, he had to throw the ball away three times. His adjusted completion percentage in this game uh, was 77%. That was one of the best numbers uh, of that week. So I think he played really solidly in this game. Not great, but also there were eight penalties on the Jets offense, which is absolutely ridiculous, including a few that wiped out big plays. Uh, the pressure rate was really high, and once again against a team that uh, was not very good at creating pressure this season, they created a lot of pressure against the Jets, 46% pressure rate on Darnold, which is really high, so there was a lot of pressure. There were penalties. There were drops. Uh, Demarius Thomas on this one deep ball, Darnold put it in a good spot. Thomas kind of slowed down, couldn't track it all that well. He couldn't get there. Robbie Anderson dropped a potential touchdown. Uh, Braxton Berrios on the first drive dropped a wide open first down. So I really think that uh, the Jets' struggles in this game had a lot more to do with how everyone else played and also Adam Gase. Also, the run game, too, was completely non-existent, as it usually has been or uh, as it usually was throughout the season. But Adam Gase, too, uh, one of the big critiques in this game is that he didn't run outside against a Bengals team that was the worst team in the league defending outside runs this season he only did, he did not do it a single time against them so I think there were a lot of factors that led to the Jets struggling in this game that didn't have to do with Sam Darnold and if you look back through this game even though he wasn't perfect it wasn't even necessarily great because he did have some uh, inaccurate moments in this game uh, I think he put together a, a really strong reel of some of his best throws of the season especially in the intermediate range and uh, Robbie Anderson had a really good game here too he was over 100 yards uh, there were a lot of, I think Darnold in this game, if you look back through, just had uh, some of his best throws of the season and a good number of them too. He was uh, with the Jets trailing and throwing so much. He had to uh, throw from, a, and also with all these penalties too, he had to throw from a lot of first and 20, second and 15 kind of situations. And he was delivering a lot of first downs out of those. So I think this is a really solid Sam Darnold performance that's kind of hidden in the weeds. The stats are ugly. He only threw for five yards per attempt. Uh, Jets only score six points against a winless team, so he gets lumped in with it. But uh, I think if you look underneath all of that, there is uh, this was the fourth straight good game from him. Not quite as good as the last three, even considering all that other stuff that he had to deal with. But this was another solid performance from him. I really do believe that if you look through and you know kind of see some of the great throws that he made in this game. Darrell was okay in this game. Like you said, he did have some nice throws. But overall, to me, it showed, again, a guy that isn't quite ready 
to be the quarterback that lifts everything onto his shoulders when plays need to be made and when things need to get done because this is a Bengals team that easily could have and should have been beaten. And if you look at what Robbie Anderson did, that's nice because it's another bounce-back performance from him. Robbie and Darnold both, it's kind of funny, throughout the year were up and down. Robbie Anderson would have some really great games, and then he would have some games where he didn't show up on the stat sheet pretty much at all, which doesn't necessarily mean that he was bad. There could have been times where he was open, and I know that there were, and the ball just didn't get to him, but it was just kind of interesting how Darnold and Anderson mirrored each other in a lot of ways throughout the course of the season. You mentioned about running to the outside, and I thought that was interesting too because... Even if you want to say that Le'Veon Bell has lost the step and maybe if he ran to the outside, he wasn't going to have the burst or the speed, you still could have used guys like Vincent Smith on the outside who we know does have a lot of speed. I don't understand what Adam Gase was doing there. Darnold's box score, not pretty, as you mentioned, 28 of 48, 239 yards, five yards per attempt, was sacked four times, and also had a QBR of 20.1 and a quarterback rating of 71.4. On the other end of things, Andy Dalton, I thought, was fairly efficient. Nothing special, nothing amazing, but efficient, and the box score seems to back it up a little bit, 22 of 37. 243 yards, 6.6 yards per attempt, a touchdown, 55 QBR, and an 88 quarterback rating. So it was the tale of two quarterbacks. The young guy who wasn't quite good enough to lift the offense on his shoulders on a day when they really could have used it. Even though, as you said, he didn't play badly, but he didn't play the way that you would have liked to see him play against a really bad Bengals team in a game that should have been had. And then the old quarterback in Andy Dalton who had been benched for a while, was given the starting job back, came back in, and was that efficient, steady hand that he's always been, more or less. Andy Dalton is kind of around that range that Sam Darnold might be at now, where he can make plays, and when things are going well, he goes with the flow. When things are going poorly, he's not enough to make the difference, and I think that that's the story of Dalton's career. The question, of course, is whether or not Sam Darnold elevates above that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I do think Darnold played good in this game. And, you know, although I, I do agree with the, um, you know, that being the overall notion with Darnold right now that, and we talked about it a lot on this podcast already, that he's very good at taking advantage of uh, favorable circumstances, but it's the other side that he struggles with being able to overcome the tough circumstances. But I think this Bengals game, in terms of him individually, is an example of him showing you that he can did, uh, do that. He did make a lot of good throws in tight windows in this game. Even the coverage uh, from Cincinnati in this game is really good. And their secondary is not a good second. It was not good this season, uh, but they locked up against the Jets. But in this, I think Darnold played good in this game. Not great, but I do think it was an above average performance uh, in spite of the numbers and the points they scored and losing. Uh, all of that, I think he did play a good, not perfect game. Uh, at the end of the first half, I think he made a couple of uh, he threw the ball away on a couple of plays at the end of the first half where there were uh, open throws that he could have picked up a first down, given them a shot at the end zone uh, to potentially score a touchdown, but he threw it away a little too uh, too early. So there were some mistakes like that. His accuracy wasn't great down the field, uh, but overall, I think he played. I think he played a good game in this one, and it really does get uh, hidden with everything else. Not quite as good as the last three, but still an above average performance and PFF actually agreed with me on this one. They graded this as his second best game of the season. I don't agree on that, that it was his second best grade of the season, but they did give him a good grade in this one. And I do agree with them that uh, this was a solid performance that kind of 
flew under the radar. So um, one of the positives about this, uh, the second half of Darnold's 2019 season is that, you know, the Jets every single week were giving up a lot of pressure. The only two games down the stretch of the season in which they didn't give up an above average pressure rate were the week 17 Bills game and the Raiders game, which we just discussed. But every other week, the pressure rate was usually, except for the Dolphins game, where it was slightly above average, uh, the week 14 one. Every other game, so uh, eight games from the fourth game or the third game he played the season against the Pats uh, through week 16, eight of those 10 games, he took very high pressure rates. Uh, And he still had some really good games over that stretch. The Giants, the Redskins, I think this one against the Bengals. Uh, and then the Ravens and the uh, yeah the Ravens later on. So the fact that he was able to have some good performances under those uh, under heavy pressure like that that's really promising. So I think even though he didn't take a huge step this season, I think the the supporting cast did get worse. The run game is a lot worse. The pressure was a lot higher. So I think that uh, the fact that he was able to kind of remain steady even though that uh, the pressure was worse and the fact that he had late in the season some good performances under a lot of pressure is really promising going forward uh, in terms of his ability to do what you said. Can he be that quarterback who can lift the team up, not just the guy who takes advantage of good circumstances, but also lift them up when things aren't going well. And that will wrap up part number seven. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, make sure you follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania, N-A-N-I-A. Read his work in the various places that it's published, including TurnOnTheJets.com, Gangrene Nation, Elite Sports New York, and JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's TurnOnTheJets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.